everyone. Happy uh, hump day here. It is Wednesday on the Winkly. It is me, your managing editor of WrestlingInc.com. Nick Houseman joined here as I am every Wednesday by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkly. Good to be back. Oh, wonderful to have you here, buddy. Now, we got a lot to get into here today. Uh, big news uh, Big news from the past 24 hours, but before we get to it, uh, I want to let you know we got some interviews coming up right after the news block here today. Uh, the first interview you're going to hear uh, is an interview I did with none other than the franchise, Shane Douglas. Uh, he has a new podcast out called Franchise with Shane Douglas. You can go subscribe to it. It came out yesterday. We recorded this on Monday, so they talk like the uh, podcast had dropped today, but it's actually out yesterday you can go find it uh it's basically a deeper dive into the career of shane douglas episode by episode a bit more of the retrospective style as he's been doing the triple threat podcast for a while now which is more uh, about topical stuff new stuff like you might hear us talk about here so go check that out you're going to hear from shane douglas later on and after shane you're going to hear our good friend scott fishman he did an interview with fight tv president michael Weber. Uh, and of course, uh, Michael Weber, center of attention recently for uh, the possible deal between WWE and Fight. It doesn't exist. Does it not exist? You're going to hear about it here today. Uh, and not just interviews, not just news. Of course, this is a big week at Wrestling Inc. for content, for coverage. This is all out week. This weekend, this Saturday is all out. All weekend long is going to be StarCast. It is in my backyard of Chicago. I'll be on the ground. Michael Weissman will be on the ground. Glenn Rubenstein will be on the ground. Uh, I'll be at All Out in the press area, and uh, we'll be getting interviews from StarCast. And, of course, if you're going to be there on Friday night, 10 o'clock, come on by to uh, the StarCast Improv Show hosted by me. We're going to play some games. We're going to pull some wrestlers up, pull you up on stage. It's like whose line is it anyway meets Monday Night Raw. We're going to have a great time. Uh, And on top of all of that, we have two other shows that we're going to be doing live coverage for. Actually, three other shows uh, this weekend. New Japan has a show. we got NXT UK TakeOver. And Warrior Wrestling 6 will be on Sunday. Uh, that is the show I do commentary for uh, with Rich Bikini. We'll have Alex Shelley. Uh, it's Alex Shelley versus Austin Aries. McFoley in a confrontation with Frank the Clown. Lucha Brothers taking on Tessa Blanchard and Daga. It's going to be a wild, fun time. So uh, strap in, everybody. This is literally, this Wednesday here, this is the calm before the storm that gets going because tomorrow is going to be the all-out press conference and weigh-in. So there it is. Uh, a, lot, a lot of things I had to include at the top there, Justin. Yes, I'm. my head is spinning. Yeah, it's a lot. It's going to be a busy time for wrestling this weekend. So let's take a breath. <gasps> and with that, it's time for news you can use. News that leave a bruise. Uh, this one uh, caught a lot of people's attention, this news item here yesterday. Now, the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California, that is the site of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view on October 6th. October 6th, they have made a tweet that says The Fiend is challenging Raw Tag Team Champion Braun Strowman or Raw Tag Team Champion slash Universal Champion Seth Rollins inside of a cell, inside the cell. So the the Fiend here looks like he could be stepping up into the Universal title picture pretty soon. What do you think, Justin? This is a huge story because, um, you know, fans often get carried away when they see what is locally advertised. And I always have to stress them. And I can speak from from really good experience because I work with WWE's local team when they come to Pittsburgh, that what, what the, what the live events team is advertising is not always, you know, that they're not always in day-to-day updating mode of like what we you know, of the constant creative changes. But what's different about this is we're not talking about just a random raw or SmackDown where they advertise different things for dark matches. And we're not, and and the fact that they are actually giving, they're acknowledging that we don't know who the champion will be. Because um, normally it would just be like, oh, someone's over Seth Rollins. And you go, oh, well, I guess Seth is not losing the title between now and then. So the fact that it's acknowledging, and this is for a pay-per-view event, so the biggest events that WWE does, for a pay-per-view event, 
and they're saying it's either going to be Braun or Seth. So they're acknowledging that that match still has to happen, you know, a clash. That's that this is really interesting. Um, you know, could it change? Absolutely. But the fact that you know we are just a little more than a month out from that event, and and that's what the arena is advertising is 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 really really interesting. It's very odd to me because like. We had that report just a couple days ago that was or maybe a week or so ago about how the WWE not trying to have the Fiend's uh, appearances be predicted, right? To kind of throw this out there like he's going to be in the Universal Championship picture uh, caught me off guard, you know? And especially the Universal, I guess, you know, he's been on Raw, he's been doing his attacks on Raw and everything. Just seems, I don't know, I, him, his energy with Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what, I, I don't know what to expect, especially with Braun, because, you know, you have the actual Wyatt family history there. Yeah, I mean, and, and and you know, the Fiend character, he's a supernatural character, you know, much like Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, any kind of like supernatural character that actually, you know, end up having a good run. You know, when they first debut, you don't, the you know, titles are like the last thing you think about for them, you know, they, because they're just in, like, they're kind of like in a different world. So uh, the thought of the Fiend going for the title is odd. Uh, I, I would say that if, if, if he, I mean, first off, if he's in a title match, he needs to, I mean, again, as with anything right now, he needs to be protective. He, need, he would need to be decisively um, in control, which that kind of, you know, when you think about him against a big guy like a Braun Strowman, that's how do you play that? But, um, you know, I, if the Fiend won the Universal title, I would hope they do something like we've never seen before. I would hope that, like, he burns the title or sacrifices the title, does something just shock and all, because, you know, when you think about WWE champions, world champions, you know, these are the guys, you know, and girls you're having go, you know, go, go to local radio, go do the, you know, the Today Show and whatever. Obviously, The Fiend and even Bray Wyatt as his Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt just seems like an odd choice right now to go putting in front of media. So that all everything about this is 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 bizarre. But keep in mind, this is October 6th. This is the this is going to be the Sunday. This is going to be the pay-per-view after what's going to be an incredible week with uh, obviously AEW's launch. Um, and then, of course, SmackDown's two days earlier live on Fox. So I know we're talking about the Universal title for Raw, but still, just the time of this pay-per-view, WWE does need to come out swinging a heavy bat at this pay-per-view because this is going to be a, a crucial – this is going to be the first week of the new war. Well, but that's – you know, and that's the thing with The Fiend is, you know, such a powerful character here. You would think that, yeah, if you're going to put him in a title match here, you're going to want him to walk away. This is way too early to have The Fiend being beaten here. Uh, with either guy, though, you know, we're not talking with Braun or if Braun were to win – Going into October, that'd be his first title reign. It'd be something super short. Seth Rollins just won this title off of Brock Lesnar just like two weeks ago. Another real short, almost like a transitional title reign here if Seth were to lose the title. Just a very, I, I just don't, I don't understand the timing here. Because like, I, I guess in my head, it's like I'd become attached to the idea of like Fiend Kofi Kingston because Kofi would have held the title for so long and it would have made sense to kind of pass the torch to a new character like The Fiend. I don't, I don't really know how I feel about The Fiend being in the mix with a Braun or a Seth. Well, I'll say this. If, if they are following through, if it is going to be the Fiend challenging for the title inside of Hell in a Cell on October 6th, then as much of a fan as I am for Braun, Braun can't be that champion that he beats. It would need to be Seth yeah. um, for multiple reasons. So if that's truly if, – if, 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 if it is in as much stone ink – uh, that's not actually a thing. If it's in as much ink or if it's set in a stone as much as it can be in WWE that The Fiend is going to challenge on October 6th, then then I hope that Seth walks out of Clash of Champions as a champion and Seth's that champion because it, yeah, <clears throat> up against Braun would just be odd. Uh, it would be, just be too odd. Yeah, I, got, I think Seth's coming out of the, the Clash with the title. I don't I don't think this is Braun's time right now, but you know we'll see. Uh, well, the Observer reporting, let's get to SmackDown here from last night. Vince McMahon uh, was not backstage at SmackDown, apparently. Uh, he was going over the script via phone with the writers, but even with that said, he apparently tore up the SmackDown script hours before showtime. Now, it should be noted that last week, 
Vince missed, Vince missed both Raw and SmackDown. He was preparing for the XFL logo and team name announcement rollout. Uh, but no Vince backstage at SmackDown last night. This is becoming a regular thing, Justin. Yeah, but he's still obviously heavily involved. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it feels like, God, I mean, we, it seems like they're always talking about SmackDown scripts being rewritten, tore up. Uh, again, I, I, I wonder, you know, like, I mean, it's Eric Bischoff's there now. And obviously, even if he's not, you know, X's and O's every page of the creative script, he's still the entire brand from creative to merchandising to everything. The entire brand is supposed to be under his watch. Is that a real thing, though? Is that really happening? I don't. I don't get the. Well, it doesn't seem. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't seem like it, does it? No, it doesn't feel like that. From at from, all. from from us looking at the outside, if if these reports are accurate, that Vince is just tearing script. It certainly doesn't seem like that. No, I mean that's the thing is like you know with Heyman and, and Bischoff coming in, you know, and we haven't really talked about these two in a while here. But I mean, Heyman sounds like he's been getting in the mix a little bit. You know, I've heard different reports and different stories from people about him. You know, getting more input in Raw. I haven't heard anything about Eric. You know, um, and and largely the TV product. I don't think really has changed that much since they brought in Paul and Eric, you know, you know, I don't know. No, it's, it, it would seem that Eric is probably just stuffed away somewhere in the office, just talking to Fox, getting ready for that move. <sighs> well, perhaps maybe the, the president of Fox is just like, man, I love the NWO. Can I just may, pick may, your brain? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Eric helped book the 24 uh, seven title change of the Fox event. Hey, maybe, you know what? And that did get some buzz. If you're a casual fan, maybe. Uh, well, we got an update here on SmackDown last night, or I guess maybe the conclusion of the Who Done It uh, with uh, Roman Reigns and the forklift accident here. Uh, Roman Reigns came out at the end of the show very chipper. He got a little bounce in his step, and he revealed that he's got footage proving that Eric Rowan was behind the forklift accident. And Daniel Bryan freaked out. He's like, "No, Rowan, no! I told you, don't, don't murder people!" Oh my goodness! And he went to the ring and he. Tried to explain it to Roman Reigns, who was not having it. Hit him with a spear, and off into the races we finally are here with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Uh, as I look back on this like four or five week long uh, adventure that we've been on, uh, Buddy Murphy, I think maybe got more out of this than anybody. And uh, the footage of Rowan just like tipping it over. Who did the WWE like investigation here, where they put it on a forklift? Didn't look like a forklift to me. Looked like a giant seven foot man pushing over some equipment onto another man. Well, and you short soul Daniel Bryan's reaction. He didn't just freak. He he was was pimp. He was bitch slapping <laughs> Eric Rowan. Sure. Uh, and, and 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 scolding him that he hates he hates liars. Uh, this is not the end. This is not the conclusion. Um, uh, I, I'm not again. It's it's a tune in next week. There's so many things that are amiss here, right? So there's still more we need to know. Um, okay, first off, yes, is is Bryan in on this this whole thing? Obviously, Roman Reigns seems to think so. He speared him. Um, what the other red bearded man that was revealed last week was that just to, you know like there's just so much that this is not done obviously and you know again we've talked about this every week every week we have an update on the story we react to it and I'll say it again I appreciate the 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 strain along I appreciate the who done it kind of mystery but this is they are really really stretching this week to week to week to the point of when you stretch this long you, when it becomes this this epic there better be a good payoff and uh, so I, we wait and see tune in next week yeah. I, I love the idea that it's like, you're right. How do, we, how do we know Daniel Bryan? We haven't gotten to that point yet. We haven't got to the voicemail where Daniel Bryan's like, beep, Eric, <laughs> it's Daniel. I want you to attack Roman Reigns. <laughs> I want you to try to murder this man. Do something. All right, see you at SmackDown. Bye. Beep. I mean, we're going to need something like that. On the record, Justin. Maybe maybe uh, GTV can come back and reveal the, the missing footage that's, that's 
kind of piece it all together. Well, Remember Chad, GTV? Yo, for sure, Chad Gable's going to need something to do here. I don't think he's going to get through Andrade. We get here in a second. Maybe Gable TV. That's what the GTV is. God. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll get to that King of the You know, let's do King, King of the Ring right now. We'll do that, and then we'll do the Clash of the Champions block. King of the Ring, like I said, Gable beat Benjamin. He's going to the quarterfinals. He's going to take on Andrade. Ali beat Buddy Murphy. Again, Buddy Murphy just on a tear right now. Another great match from him. Doing the honors to Ali here. Uh, and Ali will now take on Elias uh, next week on SmackDown. Um, what do you think? Uh, where, where, what's your new take, uh, your pulse on where we're at with the King of the Ring tournament? Uh, finals, Ricochet versus Andrade. I think so, too. Who do, you, who do you go with, Ricochet or Andrade? I mean, I tend to think that uh, you know, King of the Ring strapped to a heel is more effective. Um, but then, you know, we hear that Paul Heyman's a big fan of Ricochet, so, you know, maybe... You know, I think, I think King uh, Ricochet. You know, I, I, I could really go either way. So I mean, it's kind of exciting because I, I really can't predict it. I could see either one. I think, yeah, I think King Ricochet too. Um, I think that the teases of having Corbin and Elias like literally on the throne and giving people that visual and that attitude, I think that's the red herring. You know, seeing those yeah. guys and then like you're getting, you're getting, you're anticipating so much that you're going to have that, and then I think they're going to take it from you and put it on somebody like uh, Ricochet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see either way. I, you know, I could see Ricochet, King Ricochet, certainly, um, and then I could also see. You know, King Andrade with his queen, Zelina Vega. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, good finals. This will be a great addition here to Clash of Champions. That finals will be. Also, we know now at Clash of Champions, we are going to get Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston and a rematch for the WWE Championship. Uh, these two have had straight fire chemistry. The These two, uh, you know, Kofi Kingston, his title reign has been very good. I think that this is like a real culmination. And with that said, I wonder, are, do you think that this... Do you think that Randy will take this title? I, I'm not totally unconvinced the way this is going that he's not going to get this title here. Maybe not for a long time, but I, I, I get the vibe he might beat Kofi. I don't. Uh, I look forward to the matches. I agree with you that this has been a great program. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where I, I truly think uh, you know Kofi's holding this and then either whether it's the first SmackDown or, or, or very shortly after, I think the, the, the SmackDown in the Fox era, I, I think Brock Lesnar is going to show up and just, and just, you know, everybody's loving Kofi. Brock's just going to come in and just all the heat in the world, just basically just taking that title right off of Kofi. Sure. Uh, almost, almost money in the bank style, just because he's Brock freaking Lesnar. I, I think that's, that's, that's what we're waiting on now. I guess for me with Randy, the reason I'm kind of like, maybe he takes the title is Randy hasn't been this compelling in years, right? This has got to be the best Randy Orton feud in, in years. There's real emotion here. He's he's working well with the revival. I almost wonder if you look at that and you're like, man, you know, if we if this guy loses, we're gonna cut off his heat. You know, we could build on this and maybe take it somewhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I would have no problem if they went with Randy. And you're right. I mean, this he's doing. I mean, you know, he the guy just doesn't get any older. It doesn't seem like he gets older. Um, he, he this is he fits very well. This this uh, FTR KO uh, trio that's formed. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have no problem with it, uh, and and I but, but I do think there's a way that they can. Uh, I do think there's a way that Kofi can come out of this still champion, and them not uh, feel like they've uh, they 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 took away from the heat that that Orton and, and company have gathered. Yeah, well, it's just it, I was watching the work Randy was doing. And I was like, man, this guy's on fire right now. You know, if you put the belt on him, we get some real heat for that. But who knows? Uh, Miz uh, also challenged Shinsuke Nakamura to an icy title match. Uh, he again got laid out by Sami Zayn and Nakamura. Uh, last week, I talked about how these guys remind, kind of reminded me of, like, the AV Club kids. And then, I swear, uh, Sami Zayn was like, it's time for his close-up, Shinsuke. And then Shinsuke hit the Kinshasa, and I was like, wow, these guys are the AV Club kids from middle school, all grown up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, Sammy's really entertaining as just off-the-walls, 
uh, you know, the attitude he has. He's, he's a really good heel in this regard. Uh, still, let me see. I still need to get sold more on him and Shinsuke together, how it works. Um, and then the Miz, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I did the Miz. He, what a career this guy has, has turned into. I mean, this guy used to be the joke of, of the WWE and maybe the joke of the business in terms of, you know, reality show guy coming over, you know, you know, just his look. Is it just, is it just the way he carried himself just because he's always the Miz. And this guy has turned into a career with where he is, you know, put on some great matches. I mean, he's worked manias with rock and, and Cena and survivor series with them. And he's, He's become a really good worker. I mean, so a hell of a career. I just don't get behind Babyface Miz. This baby, you know, really? this, you know, Babyface Miz with the heel Dan O'Brien stuff actually worked. It was surprising that we flipped the script and we kind of got that and they danced around each other. Uh, but this Babyface Miz now, where he, you know, I just I'm not into it. Okay, I'm not. I'm not hating on Babyface Miz right now, but I always kind of liked Miz, so I guess it's not really like that different for me. I'm like, good, all right, he's a good guy now. Uh, well, I mean, I've always appreciated the Miz, but I've always, uh, I've always respected that he's he's a very fun guy to dislike because he because he just he, he you know, I mean, you've done media with him. He, he's just he's one of the best at doing media because he's always on. He's always the Miz. Um, so I just this this, this Babyface Miz just doesn't really do it for me. You know, like I like it better when he's touting that he's a. That he puts himself on the same level as like The Rock and John Cena in movies. When I, I just like that heel attitude more so than I'm the happy family guy that has a reality show coming up next. You know? Are you? Uh, do you think they keep Zayn and uh, Nakamura together for any length of time, or you think this is just a temporary experiment? I, I think you know this is a trial. I think we have to find out. I think I think I think how they do in the next couple of weeks. I think how they do between now and the build to that will kind of gauge if 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 they think it's working. If they think it's connecting. I have a team name for them. Okay. Nascamora. Because I, okay. put, I, put I, I have a team name it. for Dolph and uh, Bobby or Robert Rude. Did you see this one? Sure. What? Rudolph. Rudolph. Wonderful. That's great. <laughs> they can lead the sleigh that is Monday Night Raw through this <laughs> polar storm of the winter. <laughs> Rudolph. Uh, where are we right now? When When is October 2nd here? It's coming up pretty quick, isn't it? All right. Um... Well, lastly here, a new match announced for Clash of Champions. Humberto Carrillo defeated Oni Lorcan on 205 Live. I caught most of this match, actually, uh, last night here, and uh, these guys worked hard. Um, it'll be Humberto Carrillo taking on Cruiserweight Champion Drew Gulak. You know, this just kind of – it seems like you're just kind of shuffling players here, you know, since these stories never really get much play on SmackDown. I kind of wish we would see a little bit more – uh, of this stuff, get get some momentum on the main brands because I think these guys are doing good work. I think Drew Gulak, Gulak is, a, is a compelling character. I just I just don't see them in my in, in in my direct line of sight regularly enough. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about it. There's all kinds of questions about what you know um, what what WWE is going to do with programming specifically 205 Live as as, as these things start to change here. So. Uh, well, uh, we got more updates on the 24-7 championship. Uh, we noted uh, how it changed hands three times over the weekend, including once by uh, to Fox Sports anchor Rob Stone, who is now a champion, former WWE champion. Uh, Drake Maverick began his fifth reign as 24-7 champion. He pinned Elias after Kevin Owens gave him a stunner. Now, R-Truth tried to get in there, pin Elias first, uh, but was stopped by Drake Maverick, who scooted in, got the pin, and, and took off. More. Of this is this are we starting to hit maximum burnout on Maverick our truth uh, uh, the cycle of 24/ of seven title changes it's all blurring together for me now it is all blurring together you know I mean look uh, on the one hand I, I like it because I mean I do appreciate the creativity and the spawn of doing this stuff at weddings and, and whatever and, and Fox events and 
quite frankly, Drake Maverick is such a great talent. He's not, he, he, he probably wouldn't have been given a chance. Otherwise, you know, he probably would have just been a GM for 205 live or a random uh, manager for authors of pain. So I like that it's getting guys some attention, but yeah, it is becoming blurred. It is going to have to, you know, and I, and I don't know, you know, doing it at, a, you know, like I said, I like, I like the fact that I could take it outside the building, you know, weddings, get creative, do it on a, on a plane, going to over to Europe. But I don't know if, as you're doing an event with Fox, and again, this whole thing of WWE is going to be presenting more sport, and you're trying to make this good first impression to new potential audience. I don't know if a bunch of guys continuing to roll each other up for a one, two, three really helps drive home the credibility of what it means to win a match in WWE. <laughs> and, 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 and I just, I just don't know if, if the 24 seven title is the right crossover to be doing at a Fox event before you even aired your first episode, man. Can you imagine like the tight WWE 24 seven title change on like, I don't know what's Fox do. America's got talent, right? American, I don't know, like, <laughs> More weird crossovers. How many other? Yeah, Fox but you know shows? what I mean. You know, if, if you're trying to win over the, if you're trying to win over the MMA fan that's that tuned in Fox, and you're trying to win them over, that hey, look, you know, this pro wrestling, it's not the hokey fake stuff that you might once thought it is. It, it is some of the best athletes in the world. It's got Ronda Rousey, you know, Brock Lesnar. It's got these incredible athletes, you know. And then when you see just when you when you see a sports anchor rolling up a guy, I just don't know. I don't know if it's. I just don't know if it's the right. Um, I just don't know if it screams the right might right first impression message. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it too hard, but you're right. Now thinking about, like, you know, again, it's like we're trying to make our case for WWE to be on FS1 news shows, right? Alongside your football and your uh, your soccer and your your basketball. And then all of a sudden the way the WWE is presented in that is like, a, you know, <laughs> one of the commentators can be the, the world, the, the WWE 24-7 champion. Yeah, I guess if, like, you're at a bar and you see that, I guess you, if you're if you're a non-wrestling fan, you probably roll your eye towards it. It doesn't make you feel like yeah. this is a, a credible thing i should be like you know you have brock lesnar on there in a suit talking about it you're like okay well this this grabs my attention yeah i, I don't know i really thought about that that's a good observation you know yeah it just doesn't you know again you're trying to you're trying to sell because because well, i mean we all know what's the we all know as wrestling fans what's the number one thing that a non-wrestling fan harps on that you have to try to convince them is oh well it's fake and they already know who's going to win you know and then you have to explain to them the art of, of what this is so but you know but they just but this this 20 the 24 7 of the fox event again you're rolling up and it's it's considered to be an impromptu match one two three and a title changes that just completely kills the whole it just completely kills your argument to say don't focus on the fact it's predetermined focused on the stories characters and how they get to there but this just this just wipes out that credibility uh, we'll move over here to Raw. We got some news coming out from Backstage at Raw. PWInsider.com reporting that this past week's Raw was apparently one of the smoothest run in weeks. There were very few changes that were made to the original script. Uh, the only real change that they noted here was that the Viking Raiders were slated to have a squash match, uh, but ultimately got added to the Tag Team Turmoil match instead. Uh, speaking of the Tag Team Turmoil match, the Observer reporting that uh, the WWE didn't put the Street Profits in the Tag Team Turmoil match because they don't want their in-ring debut to happen on Raw until they're all the way over with the crowd. Uh, they also noted that with this Tag Team Turmoil match, the Authors of Pain nearly were a part of this match, uh, but they were pulled for whatever reason. They haven't returned to WWE TV yet uh, since they've been off TV for several months now. No word why they didn't make the return in this match, but they were considered for the Tag Team Turmoil match as well. So uh, all, all the news from backstage revolving around this one giant 16-man match, Justin. Well, they say there was few changes and it ran smooth. That script could have used a few more changes because that was a boring lull of a show. I, I you know, look, I, 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 
I am very fortunate. You and I both, we're, we are very, very fortunate to be able to say that we can get paid to talk about wrestling. And that is truly a, an amazing, incredible opportunity that us as kids, you know, didn't know if you'd ever happen. So I appreciate that. If it was not for that, if it was not for the fact that I was getting paid by Wrestling Inc. to do the Monday Night Raw post for all podcast uh, to fill in, I would have given up on that show. I was, I literally, I, it, it was so painful. I looked at the clock and I was like, I don't want to sit through another hour. I just don't. It was, dude. It was a rough raw. I agree with that. It was, it was a little rough. And with the street, you know, I'll get into the news here. You know, uh, of this tag team turmoil match. Not surprised by AOP. Happy that they're not just throwing them out there, especially if the plan was to have Zigood, which is what I call Ziggler and Rude, uh, when, uh, when the, uh, when the tag team turmoil match. But it, man, you know, is again like we talk about with the twenty four seven championship. It's all starting to blur a little bit. The street profits, what they've been doing backstage, starting to blur a little bit for me. You know, I, I feel like you got to do something here to shift up the energy with these guys because just them talking about other matches and stuff. You know, where do you go from here? Well, right. I mean, I can understand the game plan of let's not just throw them out there like we do every other NXT call up, especially the abrupt ones. Let's. Let, let's make it a big deal when they finally do go to the ring. I can respect that plan, but if the idea is, well, let's wait until they get over via these segments before we throw them in the ring, How? what, what about these segments is going to get them over? Because they're not overly funny. Um, like, I mean, yeah, they're basically acting as general managers, almost in a sense, like they're getting to make and announce these matches, or which, where the F did that come from? And furthermore, if you're a tag team, why the hell are you announcing all these other tag teams that are going for this opportunity to become champion? Wouldn't you would just want to like get I don't, it? Just, it's just the whole thing just rubbed me wrong. Like, what what is this? I didn't understand why. Like you you put all you do an eight tag team match and the winners of the team that got put together like an hour before the match began, right? It just it's it's weird to me. I get it. You know, again, it's like if you're the young bucks and you're sitting there and you're like, man. Mm hmm. Yes, I am glad we have gone the route we are going because it's you know as much as they talk about trying to get that tag team. Back on uh, on the, the tracks, you know, look, we have two tag teams right now vying for the Raw Tag Team Championships that are makeshift tag teams. Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman versus Dolph Ziggler and, and Robert Roode. All four of these people flourish as singles competitors. So I don't I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't do a whole lot for me for everybody else that was involved in this bout, only to have these guys walk out on top. Yeah, it just the whole thing, it, it, the, whole, the whole tag team turmoil just screamed. We need to kill some time. Mm -hmm. Yep, Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, Cesaro announced in a backstage segment for WWE that he is headed to Cardiff, Wales to take a hands-on approach to NXT UK at their TakeOver show. I love this decision. I think it is Cesaro will be a big fish in a small pond that is NXT UK. I don't know if this is a one-off or he's going to go on a little run over there, but uh, this seems like, you know, again, it's like, what are they doing with Cesaro? Send him down to NXT UK where you know he's going to work with some great talent, create some buzz around that product reinvigorate himself and then hopefully come back to one of your, your bigger brands, a stronger player, you know? I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, I, and I mean, well, to your last point there of hoping that he would come back reinvigorated. I mean, look, the guy's 38. So I, I mean, I don't, if he, if he hasn't become a world, if he hasn't become world champion or Royal SmackDown, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete. He is just so fun to watch. I mean, even though, you know, he's going to lose, it seems like almost every time he is just so intensive, fun to watch. I would be fine with him, uh, having a residency at NXT or NXT UK. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I've seen NXT UK. I've seen, you know, you know, Walter and, um, uh, and Pete Dunn and, and those guys. And I, and I've enjoyed what I see just out of the amount of content and hours that are in a week. I don't get to watch NXT UK on the regular, like, like it's not a, something I get to watch every week. Um, 
but I would probably I would probably increase my viewing of NXT UK, and that's and that's with knowing that AEW is coming and all this other stuff's going on. I would watch more NXT UK if if Cesaro's there regularly, just because I am like he is one that I do not turn the channel. He's one that I do not look down at the computer. I'm glued to the TV because he's phenomenal to watch. Man, him and Walter, him and Pete Dunn, him and Trent Seven, him and Tyler. Ba- I mean, there's there, the list goes on. You know, Oni Lorcan Cesaro would be great. You know, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot that could be done there. I, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about, you know, uh, what what would they possibly do with that third hour of SmackDown if it doesn't stay 205 Live? You know, if you're going to put NXT on, on USA, NXT UK is an hour show over on FS1. Again, I don't know logistically how that works. If you film it in front of an American audience here in that third hour of SmackDown, or if you film it, you know, in the UK and you do, a, you know, it's not live. It's a, it's a pre-tape hour. I don't know. But I, I, I think there's something there with this. And if you could shift over a guy like Cesar or maybe a couple other UK talents like Seamus to, to pop up there, I don't know. I think there's something to that brand. There's certainly a lot of talent there. I mean, the, 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 the laundry list of guys I just listed there, that's a, that's a deep roster for a brand that's really not getting a huge amount of attention at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one of the stories that got like, I think this was the second most traffic story in the past five or the past 24 hours on the site. Uh, Alexa Bliss revealed a new back tattoo. Um, and for that reason, I will read you the details of this back tattoo because you all seem very interested in Alexa Bliss's back tattoo. The ink, which features white ink, was done by Stephanie James, who works at the Hart and Huntington Tattoo Company at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Bliss noted that the new tattoo is a lace design that incorporates several meaningful things to her. It actually is pretty cool looking. The, I like the white ink tattoos. It's different. I dig it. Uh, it is cool looking, and I find it amazing that uh, Alexa Bliss is showing any bit of her body, any bit of skin. Just <laughs> the, the, the traffic comes. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it was like backstage news on Vince and then Alexa Bliss's tattoo. That's what you all like, by the way, if you're reading the website. So anyway. Uh, and our last bit of news here in the news block, DirecTV. I thought this was kind of interesting. DirecTV is advertising the StarCast CM Punk special the pipe bomb panel he's doing on sunday uh they are advertising you can order this on direct tv for 14.95 it is a traditional pay-per-view show uh it has a tv 14 rating it begins at at 1 p.m eastern noon central time here uh it will also be available via fight tv if you want to buy it individually on fight it's like 20 dollars more it's 39.99 it's actually 25 dollars more but for the same price for 39.99 over on fight you can buy the starcast all access all weekend pass uh, which will get you like 55 shows, 65 hours of entertainment, whatever it is. So if you're if you're weighing, if you just want the Punk special, I'd say do it through DirecTV if you have it. If if not, I would do the whole package on Fight TV for for Starcast this weekend. But yeah, what do you, what do you think here? CM Punk getting his own little traditional pay per view special just for talking into a microphone. I mean, I totally get for the people running the event doing this. I mean, you know, Punk costs whatever he costs, so you got to make your money back. So I I I you know I understand that. Um, uh, you know, like he's not like, you know, what's going to be asked. I mean, he, he, he doesn't like WWE. He doesn't see himself going back there. Uh, you know, are you going to AEW? He's going to, uh, he's not going to say yes. If he is, um, you know, I just don't know if I could see myself for as interesting as he can be. I just don't know if I could see myself paying 15 bucks to hear him talk and answer what I could probably pretty closely predict what he's going to say and not say tell you what i'd pay 14.95 if colt cabana gets to moderate this yeah good luck uh yeah i you know i'm kind of in the same boat where it's like i'm not i'm not predicting 
anything exceptionally newsworthy. Also, if I'm punk here, man, I know you agreed to it, but as you're getting closer to it, I think you're starting to get a little nervous here because, again, I sat through that courtroom drama of him and Cabana versus WWE's Dr. Amon, and a couple slips of the tongue, and you're right back in that courtroom with these people who do not like you, right? So I, I, I don't... <laughs> I think he's going to be a little cautious. I don't think we're going to get like a flippancy here where he's going to spill, uh, reveal all the skeletons in the closet and risk a lawsuit. So I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I don't know what to expect from this panel. It could be best practice if he has a lawyer sitting on stage with him. My guest at this time is among other accolades, a former four-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, a WWE Intercontinental Champion. He can be heard every Tuesday on his new podcast, franchise with Shane Douglas. It is Shane Douglas and his new upcoming co-host, Brian Reznor. Brian, uh, Shane, thank you guys so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having us. No problem. Uh, Shane, uh, I don't know. It sounded like there were wild horses that ran through the background there. I don't know if there's uh, somebody uh, in, a, in a windy area or something like that. But uh, uh, anyway. No, I, I, I'm in the car on the move right now, so it's about the only time I have to to sit and do this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm glad we could make it happen here, Shane. Last time I tried to do this with you, I know that you were like in the mountains and it was like a robot voice and it didn't yeah. work out. So, um, I should also yeah, say, we... I should also say, Shane, uh, that you are, you, you're probably one of my favorite pro wrestling encounters recently because, uh, right after fighter fest in Daytona beach, we wound up like hanging out for like three hours at the at the Miami airport, the international airport at the bar, and you were just, you were wonderful, Shane. Thank you. Well, thank you. Orlando airport, right? Oh, it was Orlando. That's right. That's right. Yes. See, I, I think the reason you thought it was so enjoyable hanging out with a jerk like me was because of the alcohol that we were imbibing at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were paying, and it was even better. So I really had a great time picking <laughs> your brain for three hours at this airport bar. Uh, but let's get to here franchise with Shane Douglas now. Uh, we got Brian yep. here as well. What what led to the launch of this new podcast that you're doing here? Well, Brian had contacted me. I've known Brian for several years, uh, uh, both as a promoter and, you know, from his business and radio past. And, you know, I, I knew that he had a great knowledge of, uh, of wrestling and, more importantly, of Shane Douglas's career. Probably, probably a better recollection than I have. And, you know, he contacted me, pitched the idea and I thought, you know, uh, you know, the other podcast I do with the uh, Two Man Power Trip, the uh, uh, Triple Threat podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we do like a sort of a jump of a bunch of different topics each week. Uh, sometimes politics, sometimes current goings on in the business, uh, oftentimes uh, things of my past. And Brian, his knowledge of not just my career but of the wrestling business, uh, told me that we could do a much deeper dive into each of those topics. Uh, you know. The, not just the big things in my career, but other things as we skip around. If you check out uh, episode number one tomorrow, you'll see which we just recorded yesterday. Uh, it, it, there were things that you know had shaken the cobwebs loose for me, uh, bringing up things that I had, uh, you know, that I had totally forgotten. And uh, you know, once I went back and looked at the footage, I, I realized you know, exactly what it was and, and, and so shook it all loose. So like, like we said a second ago, being the deeper dive, it certainly was a deeper dive. Everybody's heard the, the multiple stories told over and over again for the last 25 years of the belt throw down. Brian was able to pull out of me a lot of things that I had forgotten and, and recollected as I went through and had a great time doing it. Yeah. And, and Brian, talk to me here. Like, what are you trying to, what kind of a podcast are you trying to do here with Shane? He gave us his, his side of it. What, give us a little bit more. 
basically, it's a docupod. Uh, a docupod to, deep, to go really, really deep into the career of Shane Douglas. Shane's got a lot of stories. I've spent a lot of hours. You said you were at the airport with him for three hours. Yeah. I've spent a lot of hours talking to Shane Douglas. Sure. And I've heard <laughs> some stories that I've never heard on any on, on any YouTube video, no shoot interviews, um, no, no podcasts. And I'm sitting there thinking, why isn't he telling these stories? To everyone, why is it? Why am I just hearing this in passing? And that's when I started thinking, you know, hey, um, maybe we could go way deeper into these topics. So that's what we're doing every week: is we're taking one topic, not several topics, just one, and we are just dissecting it completely down to the bare bones. And that's that's what we're doing with this. Uh, I mean, when we like, for instance, this podcast you're going to hear tomorrow. We start three, four weeks before the uh, the NWA tournament. We go all the way through that time period, then into the tournament, and then out of the tournament, and all the way up through the, the, the fallout. So, and and it's piece by piece by piece dissected, so that you can hear every piece of the story. Um, you know, when when I mentioned, I'll give you one little tidbit. When I mentioned that Shane was in Doink the Clown outfit in that tournament. <laughs> Shane, Shane basically called me a liar, and I had to remind him that, yes, yes, sir, you were in Doink's outfit in that <laughs> tournament. So, uh, you know, we talk about that. We talk. We, we go through every single detail, and he even lets out some information that uh, not many people knew. Uh, what you say, 13 people knew um, the thing that you dropped, which I'm not going to drop on your podcast because I want people to listen tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> yes, there is some information in there that you've never heard before about the NWA tournament and that uh, that fateful day where he threw the, the title down. Man. Uh, Shane, you know, it's really cool right now getting to hear these stories again, especially with your perspective, because it's like a really vibrant time for pro wrestling. Do you think that this podcast will land harder because fans right now are, are just so hungry for pro wrestling and especially, like, seem to have a fondness for that era that you were a part of there? Well, it, it was a huge era. You know, we, we got the, the blessing of being able to, you know, imbibe in the business and learn in the business and execute our craft in the business when it was at the heights that it never reached before and it hasn't since. You know, we were legitimate rock stars at that time. And so it gave us a real perspective on that. And to see for somebody like me or anybody from my generation to see where the numbers have gone, it's stunning that, uh, you know, that it's dropped. And, you know, I bored you to death at the airport that day with, you know, all the numbers, you know, the 48 to 52 million per week. Uh, back then, you know, one and a half to two and a half million. Now, uh, you know, it's an incredible precipitous drop in the business. And I, there was a when well, we were watching this segment, or I was watching this segment to prep for uh, episode one of franchise. Uh, I was watching. One thing caught my eye very quickly. It was the, it was the earlier match in the tournament, nine one one versus uh, two cold Scorpio, or I'm sorry, Doink the Clown. Matt Bourne as Doink the Clown. Okay. And uh, you know, when he grabs Doink. Matt finally in the choke slam and gives it to him. The crowd goes crazy and they're demanding a second one. And he gives them the second one and they go crazier. And then they demand a third one. He gives it to them and they all make, it's like they're ready to reach an orgasm. And when you watch that, that is as close a microcosm as you can see as to what that fan base that's left 
needs and requires to come back to the table. They're not going to come back to the table for backflips. They know the kids are that athletic and incredible, but they're not going to come back for all that stuff and the 300 kicks to the head each match. They want to see a storyline being dissected and disseminated in front of their eyes to bring them back to the table. And if they get that, what you see in that, as far as the angle and storyline in that Doink 911 match in the NWA tournament, that's what needs to be brought back to the table to bring those fans back to the table. And, you know, so again, like for me, it was, it was fun because I've told those stories a million times, but now they've told them and gone back and rekindled those memories. Like I said, like Brian told you, when he said about the doing, I said, no, I've, I've never been dressed as doing. And uh, he, he reminded me and told me what to look at on my back of Watson. As soon as I saw it, the memory was right there. But I, I would have bet a thousand dollars that he was lying when he when he said that, until I saw it, and you know just it, it, all those stories are stored in some compartment up there in, in the crevices of my what's left of my brain. But uh, you know, as soon as I see it, like I said, the memory was right back there. And it's just you know I've had a pretty long career. I've been blessed to have that, and so a lot of that stuff gets pushed back to the recesses. So it was a lot of fun for me to prep for episode one to talk about the. The, uh, the the 25th anniversary of the NWA belt down a seminal moment in pro wrestling history. Yeah. And, and Brian, you know, when you're putting these episodes together, you know, we kind of talk broadly about how you, you know, you want to pick these moments and, and dissect them and everything like that. Obviously, Birth of Extreme, the NWA stuff was a moment there. What other kind of moments from Shane's career do, do you get excited or, or can we expect to hear you guys talk about on the show, I guess? Well, I, do, I mean, all the stories, you know, the hits, of course, we're going to be playing the hits, the Dean Douglases. The uh, the click the Ric Flair I mean we're gonna we're gonna go through all of those you know eventually on franchise but there's some other stories that we've never heard before that I'm really interested in like uh, we're doing an episode in the future I'm not sure exactly how long it'll be before you hear this episode but we're doing an episode on Troy Orndorff do you know who Troy Orndorff <laughs> is uh, I I mean I know the last name Orndorff of the Orndorffs I I've, I know of I've never heard of Troy Orndorff unfortunately. Well, Troy Orndorff was Shane Douglas breaking into the business as Paul's nephew. Wow. And no one's ever heard that story. Um, so no one's heard when he played <laughs> Troy Orndorff. No one heard that, that breaking in as Paul Orndorff's nephew. And we're going to go through that, and we're going to really go through that. We'll start at wrestling school and go through the, the, the last day he was Troy Orndorff. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that. We're gonna talk about his relationship with Paul Orndorff and things like that. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of different stuff that we're gonna do. We're also gonna do uh, some Q and A episodes. We're gonna do some uh, fantasy booking episodes. There's a, a lot of different places that I'm gonna go with Shane Douglas. And believe me, I'm going to to dig every single memory and every single story directly out of the franchise's brain. Oh man, Troy Orndorff, Troy over at Lewis at Lance Von Erich. That would have been a good tag team, you know. <laughs> well, you know the, the funny, the funny thing about that is, to this day, uh, about five or six times a year, fans will come up to me and they'll say, "Hey, how, how's your Uncle Paul doing?" And I do have a real Uncle Paul, so I'll think like for a split second, like, "How do they know my Uncle Paul?" And like, oh, that's right, they mean Orndorff. And uh, how that came about, you know, we'll get into in the episode, but uh, it was a promoter in Detroit, Frank Crybaby Cannon, uh, that, that gave that to me after I had gone to the ring. He said, you know, what, what's your name? And I told him my real name was Isaac Shits. He said, I'll think of something. Go to the ring. <laughs> and that's where it started from. And I was terrified at the time that Paul uh, Orndorff would hear about it. 
and <laughs> ripped my head off, you know, and uh, uh, years later he laughed about it. But, we, you know, we, there's an awful lot to tell about that, that story, too, as, as, as breaking in. So, see, like, this is the thing with Brian, you know, being such a big fan of wrestling and a big fan of the franchise and of ECW, he knows these stories to go and dig out. You know, I've, I've told these stories so many times in so many different places that they become sort of like the, uh, the clip notes versions of the stories as time goes on. So I need somebody like Brian to go out there and, and dig into those recesses and pull that stuff out. Because like I said, like the doing thing, it's there. It's just, somebody's going to just give me a little nudge to make me remember it. And as soon as they do, it's uh, you know, we had a hell of a discussion about it yesterday as you'll hear in episode one tomorrow. Yeah, man. Uh, and, you know, a good a good example of, of what I'm talking about is uh, if you go on YouTube and you look for the story of the NWA title being thrown down, you can find it in a couple places. I think one of them's like 11 minutes long. I think another one of them's like 14 minutes long. Me and Shane talked about an hour and 40 minutes about this topic. Man. So. You can you can tell that story in eleven minutes. Now, are you guys in the same and room? Do you do you guys do you guys live near each other or no? Is this like over Skype or whatever? Uh, it's over Skype right now. Um, uh, there might be times when we we actually are in the same place. Uh, of course, I have plans to uh, to fly Shane from Pittsburgh down here to Florida to uh, to be in studio with me in the future. But as of right now, we are doing it through Skype. Okay, just wondering. Anyway, Shane, what were you about to say? Apologize. I was going to say, just adding to what Brian said about the hour and a half or hour and 40 minutes, uh, we actually had to cut it short, too, because I was at a show, and the show had started, and I had to go get prepared for my match. Uh, so we probably could have gone another 30 minutes easy, if not longer. I mean, there's, there was a lot of stuff there that, uh, that I hadn't talked about before, and uh, if I did, it was in one or two places. And I do reveal something in the episode tomorrow, episode number one of Franchise. Uh, I do reveal something that, to date, only 14 people, I believe it was 14, came to a discussion that I had uh, at a sem- like a seminar-type uh, panel one time. And other than those 14 people, nobody ever heard this particular story outside of it because I'd never told it anywhere else. So the fans will get a chance tomorrow to tune in and hear that one tidbit about the NWA title throwdown on August 27, 1994, that they never heard before. Yeah. Uh you know, it's it's interesting. You guys picked a, a a kind of a weird week to to get this going here. I say that because like WWE has also decided to get into the podcast game. I don't know if you saw the press release, but they're launching a WWE. I did. Yeah, Shane, what do you think about that? What do you think about WWE getting into this market? Well, look, when you got a company the size of WWE, right? The, the, the one thing that Vince McMahon still gets right is the corporate side of things. Uh, you know, he's still the cutting edge. I mean, how many billion views does he have on on YouTube and? you know, different video downloads and that kind of thing. That part of it, that kind of, they, you know, they've got the very best corporate infrastructure for. Uh, unfortunately, the place that that acumen hasn't seemed to apply is in their writing department and their character development part, you know, just the stuff they do in the ring. Yeah. But other than that, they're great. <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm sure the podcast will be great because, look, all those guys, they all have their own. And, and when I, I let me rephrase. Everybody knows whenever I say the boys or those guys, I mean everybody in the dressing room, the men and the women, uh, that they all have their own stories to tell. And, and I've always found that fascinating from every wrestler. How'd you break in? Who trained you? They, you know, they have, all of them 
their entire roster has that same story to tell from their very own unique perspective. So I'm sure it'll be successful for the fans that, that have an affinity for the WWE product. Do you think we would ever get a Vince McMahon type show like this, where there's a Brian that like gets Vince to go on the record and like spill all the beans of all the skeletons in the closet? I sure oh. hope so, and I hope it is Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think Vince McMahon would agree to do that oh, man. when God and Satan both sat down and agreed to do the co-host position with them uh, so he could explain to them why they were both wrong and he was right. Uh. Well, you know, uh, my opinion on the uh, the WWE doing a podcast network, it, it's actually really funny. I'm, I'm pretty close friends with uh, a a person that works at the WWE. Okay. I guess it really doesn't matter if I say his name or not. Uh, Heath Slater and me and Heath Slater <clears throat> talk about ideas a lot. And it was funny, like last week we were talking and I was like, you know, if Vince really was thinking about things, he would jump into the podcast game because think of the podcast network he could do. Yeah. And I swear the next day they made that announcement. I was like, wow, he's got me bugged. <laughs> But no, I don't think I don't think that came from my head. But uh, we were definitely on the same plane there. And I think that if if Vince really wants to jump into the podcast game and, and immediately be successful, then he's got to keep his hands completely out of it, and he needs to hire someone like Conrad Thompson. Um, and I don't even know if that's a possibility. Yeah. But Conrad Thompson, I mean, of course we know Conrad Thompson is the the god of wrestling podcasts now. And um, I'm just I'm just glad to be uh, in the game now. But uh, as far as Conrad Thompson, he could really take something like the WWE mm-hmm. Podcast Network and do something incredible. Now he's already been on record saying that he's he can't wait to compete with them. Which uh, you know, of course, I, I think that Conrad could compete with just about anybody. But uh, but if he gets if he actually gets Conrad to be a part of it, then man, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I don't know. Conrad played it down the other day. Conrad likes to doesn't seem to like to work. Not to say he doesn't like to work with people, but he, he, there's something to be said about owning the property and not renting. And uh, uh, I, I get the vibe he's enjoying his own entity over there. We shall see, though. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, but money when, talks, though. Money talks. <laughs> there's a lot of money around right now. That's for sure. Um. Shane. Um. You know, on that note here, things are really heating up. What do you think of WWE? You know, putting an XT up against AEW here. I wanted to get your thoughts on that while I had some time with you. Well, it, it's going to be a interesting to watch and see. You know, we, we, Brian and I spoke yesterday at length uh, off the air, uh, off recording uh, about this. And as I, as I was with several guys in the dressing room yesterday, AEW has an incredibly unique opportunity. The first one since WCW went out of business to provide real competition to the WWE. But, you know, there's an old saying that you only get one chance to make that first introduction. Uh, so once they launch on start uh, on TNT, uh, they, they have a tall order in front of them. You know, Vince McMahon, as we saw, uh, you know, in, in recent weeks, a little bit change up in the programming here and there in the way that they're promoting, not promoting the show, but the way they're, they're, they're executing the show uh, seems a little bit edgier, a little bit more pushed back towards the middle. Uh, will he continue to do that, or was that just an aberration? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, my experience in competing against WWF, WWE for all those years was that, uh, and this is the exact, uh, 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 you know, sort of uh, mea culpa I had given to Dixie Carter. Uh, it was she asked for advice. 
to in no way, shape, or form try to directly confront Vince because there's something in that guy's psyche that when you try to compete against him, even if he's crushing you, it doesn't matter. He's got to pulverize you into dust and then spit and piss on your grave after that. Uh, now, does that Vincent man still exist? I haven't seen evidence of it recently, but I'm sure it's still there, like those recesses in my brain. Uh, so, you know, them. it's easy to say you're going to compete against the WWE, especially when you have a billionaire behind you. But to compete with them on the level because they're such a behemoth corporate structure like I just talked about, Yeah. to be able to do that on a week-to-week basis. Look, you know, to have one-off shows, like what have they done, four shows so far? Uh you know, impressive, like when, you know, Cody did the uh, the first all-in show, uh, Cody and the Bucks and all the kids. Uh, you know, that, that was an impressive thing to get done. Now, to do that on a week-to-week basis is a totally separate thing and a much taller order. You know, you, you can't come in and say, hey, we've been working hard all week, we're tired. Uh, let's just, you know, you know what's that old, uh, uh, the, the old line in uh, – uh, the Goodfellas movie, you know, fuck you, pay me, right? No, right. Fuck you, we have TV this week. Right. And, uh, you know, so to do that week after week, as Kevin Sullivan, somebody who's done it to great success, will tell you that it sucks your drive, brother. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, so are they going to have somebody to be able to write that weekly television, A, B, create the characters that are going to draw those fans back to the table that must be brought back and going to compete? C, be able to get those characters over, and D, create the storylines and then execute those storylines to keep bringing those fans back. It's a tall order. They got some great guys there to do it. Now let's see if they can pull it all together and get it done. Yeah, they got Paul. They got your for, your other Paul, your former boss, Paul. He's uh, he's running Raw right now. Do you think that he's – have you seen genuine Paul Heyman influence in, in the product with him in that role so far? I haven't. I, I haven't watched the full episode. I've seen clips and, and stuff from here and there. Uh, you know, look, if the kids there will listen to him, and they damn well should. He's probably the most influential promoter of the last 25 years uh, that's not named Vince McMahon. Uh, so, you know, clearly knows how to do all those things I just mentioned. Uh, so, you know, if those guys there listen, you know, knowing and remembering that political structure is, you know, a wrestler that's a name there right now if, if paul goes to them and say stop doing it like this and do it like that or try incorporating this or that well that kid say well let me go talk to vince first and see what he says hmm. uh you know so i mean it's you know there's a there's a lot of big question marks that, that need to be answered uh it's going to be very interesting to watch and see but you know my guess would be what i just said the la- the latter of what i just said is probably most likely because you know when I knew Ricky Steamboat and, and uh, Arn Anderson were agents and Dean Malenko were agents in WWE, I was seeing zero influence of anything that those guys did because I learned from all of them and worked with all of them. You know, and yet I wasn't seeing that translate into the product. Why? And, you know, they, they all told me the same thing. These kids don't listen. You know, this is, you know, double A told me, hey, I needed the paycheck. I'm not going to rock the boat. So my question would be, why in God's name? There isn't a guy on that roster that can't learn a thing or two or a thousand from someone like Arn Anderson. And, you know, so that's the attitude going in. uh, Hey, Arn, you wrestled 30 years ago. It doesn't apply today. Ooh, put out the bimbo idiot alert because that just went off when somebody says that. Uh, So, you know, it's again, it's going to be interesting to watch and see. Will the kids in AEW listen to and heed and apply and implement 
what somebody like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and Dean Malenko and Billy Gunn are telling them? Or will they just sort of say, okay, and then go out and do the same stuff they've always done at Ring of Honor and TNA and elsewhere? You know, big question marks that still need to be answered. Wow. Uh, well, I want to thank you guys. My, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Brian. Real quick. Yeah. In, in, my, in my opinion, I believe that because yeah, I, I watch uh, constantly everything that I possibly can watch in a week's time. And I always see Raw. I always see SmackDown. And uh, and with Raw and Paul Heyman's influence, I have noticed that Raw has been at least 35% better than it was before, you know, before Paul took over. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing improvements. And, and me, I'm a huge Paul Heyman fan. So I, I can't wait to see where it goes uh, further. And I, I'm hoping that, that Vince and Paul can see eye to eye because it seems like every time Paul gets some type of uh, a power, there's always a, a an issue between uh, Vince and Paul that leads to Paul leaving. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, that doesn't <laughs> happen this time. Yeah, it'd be nice if you stuck around. That'd be great. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, th- thank you guys so much both for the time. Uh, looking forward to it again. Franchise with Shane Douglas. Uh, out now by the time this audio has been released. So go give it a listen. The first episode, The Birth of Extreme. Uh, uh, Shane, you want to do it's the available hard- on ShaneDouglas.com. It's www.ShaneDouglas.com is where you can get it. And it will be available on all podcasting formats very soon. Very cool. Shane, do you want to do the hard play? You want to give us our outro? What do you want to plug, promote, put over here, wrap us up? Uh, sure. Ready to roll? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Whatever you want to say, man. How do you want to close it down? <laughs> right. Hey, right here with Nick Houseman, the franchise Shane Douglas, and the new co-host of the new podcast franchise, Brian Resner. Tune in every Tuesday at ShaneDouglas.com and all the platform, podcast platforms. Because right now, I've done a deep dive into the franchise's brain, and you've done been franchised. All right, Mike. So from the beginning, just uh, if you could just kind of explain kind of a Reader's Digest version of uh, just how Fight TV came to be, for those that don't know. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so Fight uh, had launched about three and a half years ago. Um, I had been consulting with them previously. Was, uh, the parent company's name Flips Media. And um, they were doing all types of programs, but it was so broad in what Flips was. It was almost like they're trying to be a cable network, get a little bit of news programming, movies, sports, and everything else. Uh, and then we came up with the idea of let's try to see how it works doing some live programming to this app and that's all it was originally was a mobile app and we start with some ring of honor events some impact wrestling events uh pbr but the very first show we ever did was actually a new japan uh, wrestle kingdom nine so that'd be about four or five years ago um went through some uh you know uh testing and then in uh february uh 2016 we launched fight with a handful of shows uh, the very first show to air on a platform was someone called Tough Enough uh, MMA from Las Vegas, which ironically I have a call with them this afternoon. Um, and a you know, real good company. Uh, the, the focus of our, our platform is boxing, pro wrestling, MMA, kickboxing, and of course now Bare Knuckle, which is now a little over a year old of its existence as a, a, a real programming. Um, we now, after being in existence three and a half years, have 1.6 million users, uh, registered users who come to our platform uh, uh, to watch the programming they want. Uh, we do, oh, 
we've done over 2,500 live shows since we've launched, which comes out to roughly over a thousand a year. Um, it's not unusual for us to do 20 shows over a weekend, and sometimes May is seven to ten live shows at the exact same time. So you always got something to watch. Um, we do the pay-per-view model, which seems to work out pretty well for people, uh, opposed to a subscription model. Um, and we pride ourselves on our um, technology of uh, uh, method delivery. Um, you can watch our programming anywhere in the world that has Wi-Fi capabilities. It's now available on both the mobile uh, iPhone as well as the Android uh, mobile platform. Uh, it's also available on the website, which is fight.tv. And, of course, fight, for all you people who don't know, is spelled F-I-T-E. And it's also available through Roku, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, uh, soon to be uh, part of X1 uh, from Comcast. And uh, there's a couple others in the works of places that you can find the Fight app. But uh, it's pretty well received. Uh, the real beauty of the success of this company is not only all this great programming, but our roots are actually that we're a technology company from Europe. And uh, we've uh, supplied what we think is superior technology to deliver the shows. And, I mean, as COO, it's, I mean, you mentioned three and a half years. It's just amazing progress for a company like this. But it's also game-changing for the wrestling landscape right now where accessibility, I think, has really added on to the popularity of pro wrestling and just giving people the access to watch any kind of programming that they want, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's boxing, all that. Just talk about your guys' role in kind of this kind of boom period we might be entering right now when it comes to pro wrestling. Well, it's it's been pretty rewarding, uh, Scott. As you know, um, I've been involved in wrestling approaching almost 35 years now, or at least most of my professional career has been in pro wrestling with WWF, WCW, TNA wrestling, and so forth. Um, and it's really fantastic to see where independent wrestling has taken hold, and there's just not one or two dominant com- uh, companies. Uh, of course, we work of impact wrestling, ring of honor, and do quite well with them. And they've been with us from the very beginning. But we've also been there from the start of AEW, airing their programs and, and working with them. But then there's companies like Game Changer Wrestling, which I don't think anybody heard of uh, more than a year and a half, two years ago. And we air shows from them exclusively on fight pretty much almost every week. Uh, even this week here, uh, we just uh, launched two shows today because we had to make sure the technology worked. Speaking of technology, they're doing two shows from Japan this week that we're going to air on tape delay basis. And we just want to make sure we're able to uh, – they had the upload speeds they need to get those shows to us. Um, and I think nobody's more surprised than them how well they're doing. They've done a great job of the program. They have a, a, a niche following. Uh, and we gave them a platform that is always there for their fans. And uh, you mentioned starting to work with AEW. I know you worked with WCW uh, during the Monday Night War with WWE as well. Um, just from your standpoint, um, just what are the odds of, of this company doing well with your experience? And just talk about the popularity of the first couple events uh, for you guys well, and the audience that they bring. You know, there's all kinds of ways to judge um, the success of a company. Um well, right off the bat, AEW is now, I guess, one, two, three, four, I guess up to about five, six consecutive sellouts in very short form, um, especially their um, uh, all-out event, or excuse me, the uh, Double or Nothing event they did in May, 
the All Out event coming up in September, their uh, TV tapings they got coming up. Uh, I mean, I've done this a long time. I've never seen anybody sell out in 30 minutes or less for shows like that. Uh, maybe one or two here and there, but not that many in such a short period of time. So that's a good way to judge how they're going. Now, it's one thing to sell out shows and have a real good push for a big pay-per-view. Doing a weekly show, um, I think there'll be no question they're going to do fantastic starting. But there's a lot of work to that, and a lot of people uh, uh, have to be involved to make it happen, both from the in-ring talent as well as from the producers and, and, and production people. Uh, the good news for everybody is that they got the best production team or most seasoned production team out there. So I think they're going to do pretty well. Uh, but, you know, asking that question in like January, February, when they have a couple months underneath the belt, okay? And that will make a big difference. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to do good. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I believe it was just yesterday that uh, ring, uh, excuse me, WWE announced their NXT only tonight. So counter-programming, here, here it is. Is it a Raw versus Nitro scenario again like they had in the late 90s? Quite possibly, you know. Um, and I think everybody's going to win on this, especially wrestling fans. Oh, for sure. And, you know, take us uh, – peel behind the curtain at the planning and just the arduous task of – because you have StarCast coming up, which is like a huge event. You have so many events a part of this. Um, just the manpower that's probably required and the planning it is with, with Conrad and all the producers of this show. Uh, for something like this, what, what goes into kind of planning this event? What kind of you fans are looking forward to? Kind of, It seems like you guys are taking it a step above to what you guys did last StarCast with, with the amount of hours that you're providing. Well, yeah, um, StarCast has been, you know, again, he, sitting here a year ago, we'd never done one. No one had ever done one before. And um, it was a eye-opener how well it did. It was a good event. It came off pretty good uh, from a technical standpoint as well as content standpoint. Fans seem to like it. Uh, working with Conrad Thompson has just been a pleasure. He's a, uh, a professional uh, who just has a, a knack for this type of event. Even though he doesn't have a long experience in these kind of events, he knew exactly what to do um, and did a fantastic job with it. Uh, he's a great leader, so people will uh, uh, get behind him and take direction. Uh, he has the right foresight and vision for this type of event. And frankly, we're just recording it. You know, uh, fight is. We're making it happen. He's been a real good partner. Um, and, you know, this event coming up here uh, for uh, Chicago is a well organized event. We've already done the site survey. Uh, it has a reason why it's there and a place. Um, and actually, the cultivation of Sarcast is a CM Punk uh, uh, segment uh, program with Mike Johnson interviewing him which uh, not only is going to be on fight live as a part of the StarCast package, but all, the, all you really want to see is CM Punk. You can actually watch them on DirecTV, Dish, and Cable as well, uh, live that day as well. And I think it'll be a good uh, segue into um, the all-out event that'll be airing that night um, around the world on fight. Um, and not to forget, because i got to be a promoter, <laughs> We also are airing a New Japan Pro Wrestling event called Royal Quest from live from London earlier that day. It's the same day. Wow. And also, just it's a stellar card they put together. They're top guys. It says they say it's a Wrestle Kingdom quality show live from the Copper, I think it's called the Copper Box Arena from London. 
So, you know, this is not some little you know, club somebody went to. This is going to be a 7,000 seat arena that was built for the uh, Olympics, which will be sold out. And again, if you're a wrestling fan, you are definitely uh, not only can you see All Out, Starcast, New Japan Pro Wrestling all in the same day. I believe there's a little company called WWE has a show called NXT airing that same day also from the UK. So um, get the DVR out and you're ready to go. And speaking of DVRs, that's one of the new uh, technology uh, upgrades that we have done to our platform is that now you can watch a program. But let's say you just tuned in halfway through. You can now go back in time and watch from the very beginning while it's happening live. Uh, that's a oh, feature nice. that's not always available for a lot of programs, but it is now available on the fight platform. Now, the next thing we're trying to work on is how we can go ahead in time for a live show. But we haven't figured out that time travel part <laughs> yet. But give us a little time. Give us a little yeah, time. I'm we'll sure get you... there. <laughs> <laughs> what it's, would it's, you say? It's, it's sort of a joke, but people actually have asked that. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you never know. The possibilities are endless nowadays, it seems. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, up to this point, I mean, I don't know if you're able to say, but what, what's what been the most popular event in the history of Fight TV as far as purchases and just everything? Uh, I can't say. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it stands out for so many reasons. And I hate to say it's not wrestling. It's a boxing event. Uh, it was the Canelo uh, Triple G second fight uh, September of last year, a little less than a year ago. Did very, very well for us uh, on both fronts. In total number of buys, as well as um, the revenue, because you start uh, charging people $85 a shot, it starts adding up pretty quick. And I don't think we have any wrestling events um, from anybody who's charging $85 a show yet. No. So yeah. uh, that was hopefully by far not. our most successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully from a wrestling fan standpoint, we don't go up to the $85 standpoint. <laughs> but um, now we've done good with the past AEW shows. We've done good with Last All Out. Ring of Honor has been a strong partner. Um, you can actually uh, access Honor Club through Fight. So uh, we've been working with them in every way possible. New Japan shows have done well, uh, as, you, as, you, as you would guess. But, I mean, DCW is not far behind doing great shows like their Blood Sports and the Joey Janela's Loss in New York and trying to figure out what he's doing in L.A. I can't remember the names of their shows. I just Sometimes I'd buy the show just uh, for the names of their very shows they come up with. Um, they put, put a lot of thought and effort and creativity in the names of their shows. So they, they've all done very well, and we're very excited to be working with them. And probably the newest partner we have to work with uh, for our wrestling fans is uh, uh, Lucha Libre AAA of Mexico. Um, they're going to debut here in the U.S. in the biggest way of being at the Hulu Theater of Madison Square Garden in New York on September 15th, which, of course, we'll be carrying that uh, program live on flight around the world, uh, available in English and Spanish as well as their October 13th event when they invade Los Angeles at the LA Forum. So um, we're pretty much working with everybody who matters in the wrestling world right now. And um, there's just, I mean, we have contracts with probably over 100 companies. Uh, we debuted this Friday um, Impact Pro Wrestling for New Zealand, not to be confused with Impact Wrestling, um, who's now out of Toronto. Uh, so um, we're, we're getting to the point where we're starting to work with so many companies that have the same name uh, and that we have to come up with ways to, to uh, make a difference of identifying them. But, um, yeah, so there's there's a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, 
it's great for you know small companies to get their feet wet. Um, another one which you should keep on your horizon is Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling. Great company. Uh, Matt Yaden, who's behind that company, had the pleasure of working with at TNA uh, several years ago. Um, he's, he's all in, as they like to say, in this business of making that be in success. And he's starting to see uh, it grow some steps. And, of course, MLW. Port Bowers done a great job of that product. And um, we aired their program on a weekly basis on a one-week delay of being sport. And, of course, uh, November 2nd, they have a pay-per-view event coming in. But the exciting thing for Fight is not only are we having this great success of wrestling, but we're doing the same thing with bare knuckle fighting, um, boxing, and, of course, uh, MMA fighting. And um, one thing that you guys are in the headlines for, you know, a lot of the dirt, a lot of uh, news sites are reporting about interest <laughs> from WWE about purchasing Fight TV. If you want to just set the record straight on if there was any discussion about this, if this where this might have come from, I mean, if you want to just kind of comment on that. No. As a person whose responsibility is to get content onto our platform, we talk to everybody. And, of course, we're talking to WWE about getting their uh, pay-per-view pro, a SummerSlam, a WrestleMania, a Royal Rumble type event. They're already outside of the WWE Network are also available on other uh, pay-per-view platforms. And we say, why not us also? So uh, we've been in conversations with them, persuade them to make their uh, – programming available and find another way to make more money because uh, we know WWE's not making enough money yet. Uh, <laughs> um, and obviously somebody must have got wind about some of that co- uh, communication or meetings and put two and two together and came up with 17, which I'm pretty sure has happened in wrestling quite often before. <laughs> so, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's sort of, a, sort of a business built over, over rivers, so uh, it's a right. great rumor. <laughs> I guess you guys named it out there, if anything. <laughs> um, yes, yes. And, and just lastly, um, you know, you've done so much already in less than four years. Um, what do you kind of see yourself when the fifth year? Like, do you kind of have, like, a long-term goal of, from your vantage point of where TV wants to be at that point? Yeah. Uh, what we're looking at is to continue working with all the top uh, promoters in every um, – of the disciplines that we work in, the boxing, MMA, and, and wrestling. So, like, you know, um, Ken Shamrock has the Valor uh, Bare Knuckle events uh, debuting September 21st, so we hope to work with them and, and start building with them from the ground up. Uh, there's some other MMA programming that we're having some very serious conversations with that we hopefully can announce in the next week or two, which will be a quote-unquote game-changer, not to be confused with game-changer wrestling, uh, <laughs> that will bring more viewers to our platform. Um, but we're also now also uh, keep an eye open um, on some other uh, types of comparable sports program that would use our platform, our technology. Um, we just recently did a music event uh, from Portland, Oregon, a four-day music festival, uh, which came out really well. Um, uh, is we've proven that we can do four stages simultaneously for as long as 12 hours at a time, and it worked well and um, fairly well-received, and we look for bigger and better things than that, and we're looking at some other uh, comparable verticals, which, in my opinion, are underserved um, for ways to watch. So what that means is if you want to watch NFL or college football, there's a thousand places you can watch it, and it's very exposed. Same with NBA and Major League Baseball. But there's some other areas out there 
um, that people are fans of and very dedicated to, and it's not nearly as obvious where you can watch them. And that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to uh, identify those groups and then hopefully uh, use our um, technology and procedures uh, to make a program available to people uh, in, in one set location. Frankly, fight, if it's just been a wrestling act or just a boxing or just an MMA only, I don't really think it would work the way it is now. They feed off each other. There's not a lot of wrestling and boxing crossover, but it helps that we have this all under one roof. And essentially the common denominators, we got a mat or a ring and that the guys are in there. And it seems to work out pretty well that way. Yep, there's so many different kinds of fans out there, so that's great that you guys are tapping into all of them. So that's awesome. All right, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. No problem. Thank you very much to Shane Douglas. Thank you to his co-host, Brian Reznor. Go check out Franchise with Shane Douglas, his brand-new podcast available now. Uh, thank you to Michael Weber and Scott Fishman for getting that inf- uh, uh, interview with Michael. Again, if you enjoy um, you know, StarCast, everything that's going on here, go over to Fight TV, order the StarCast all weekend uh, package for thirty nine ninety nine. Get all kinds of entertainment. Uh, tomorrow here on The Winkly, uh, I, I'm going to have a mystery guest. If it's uh, if it's the person I think I'm going to interview today, we'll 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 play them tomorrow. If I don't get the interview today, which I've been told may not happen, uh, I will have another interview for you that is also very big. Uh, and that interview will be paired 100%. I can tell you tomorrow you're going to hear from Netflix Glow's Kimmy Gatewood. Uh, she sat down with our good friend Scott Fishman, so you're definitely going to hear from Kimmy Gatewood, plus a mystery guest to send us home for All Out Weekend tomorrow. Uh, just a reminder, we will be on site in Chicago here, Starcast and All Out, all weekend long. Come back to the site this weekend. We're also going to have coverage of New Japan. We'll have coverage of Takeover UK Takeover, NXT UK Takeover, Warrior Wrestling Six, and uh, so much more. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Oh, give me the old follow on social media, and also if you are in the you know, Pittsburgh, Ohio, Maryland, West Virginia uh, area, uh, September thirteenth, IWC Wrestling. We will have a show at Wheeling Island Casino in Wheeling Island, uh, West Virginia, and there will be a meet and greet. Uh, with the Hall of Famer, Big Sexy, uh, Kevin Nash. Uh, it's a very, it's going to be a great time, great show. So, you know, Elias, Britt Baker, so many talents that are out there right now, all coming, all trained and came through uh, with us at IWC Wrestling. So it's going to be a great card. Kevin Nash there as well at Wheeling Island Casino. Great time. <clears throat> so you can check that out, uh, iwcwrestling.com. And also my friends at Wrestle Rumble. Wrestle Rumble is doing the first ever AEW Pick'em Contest. So they normally do these for the big WWE events where you go on, you make predictions of who's going to win. Um, the most person who gets the most points from correct predictions gets a prize. Uh, doing it for um, for this weekend for All Out. First place is a thousand bucks. Second and third place is a Wrestle Rumble mystery box of goodies. So you can win a thousand bucks by predicting what's going to happen at All Out. Just go to WrestleRumble.com. That's a sweet deal, everybody. It's a very sweet deal. Uh, and if you want a sweet deal as well, you're at Starcast this weekend, Friday, 10 p.m. I'm going to plug it one last time. Starcast Improv. It'll be me. It'll be six of Chicago's finest improvisers. We'll have John Sturk tickling the Ivies. Ross Berman's going to play a couple songs for us. Kevin Kellum, Cassio Kid doing stand-up comedy. It's going to be a cavalcade of comedy for your eyes and your ear holes. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in today. Can't wait to shut it down tomorrow with you guys here on the Winkly. Justin will be back. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.